Hey, welcome into the Irish NFL show presented by I Trust Gaming. Michael McQuaid joined by the lads. Just a reminder while we're starting, if you retweet or pin tweet on our Twitter page, you have a chance to win two tickets for the big game on Sunday. We're live from opposite Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on Sunday at 9 a.m. More about that later. We've got guys waiting here. We've got Colin Cronin, Brian O'Leary, and a special guest this evening. We have got Seattle's Associated Press sports writer, Tim Booth, ahead of Thursday Night Football. A, a late game tonight for us, Tim. A warm, warm welcome into the Irish NFL show. First appearance, and great to have somebody on talking Seahawks. How are you? Well, thank, thank you for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Of course, Tim, anytime. And look, we ask everybody this, especially somebody from America. Uh, have you any Irish connections yourself, Tim? Um, not directly. I know, I know my family has a lot of, uh, a lot of British Isles, uh, UK sort of, uh, background, but I offhand, I don't think I have any direct Irish, uh, descendants, but I know I'm kind of a mix of, of everything from, from, uh, Ireland and the UK. So. Um, Tim, it's been a, an interesting start to the season for for the Seahawks. Uh, I think especially on offense, and uh, I saw a lot of talk on on Twitter today about this. Uh, Doug uh, Farrar was saying, comparing it to the various different types of boxers, but it has been noticeable about Pete Carroll, who usually you know likes to keep the ball, the running game. But the Seahawks are taking more deep shots than we've possibly uh, ever seen them. Was that uh, expected, or what? What are your thoughts on how the offense has opened up the season? Well, I think it's been. Um, I, I think probably the surprise of the way the offense has worked so far is that they haven't leaned on the run game quite as much as I think everyone expected. Um, especially when it came to having Chris Carson coming back and how successful he's been. Um, you know, I think he's, I think his high so far this year is 16 carries in a game. It might even be a, a couple less than that. But he re they really haven't leaned on him uh, quite as much. And that has led to more um, more in the passing game. And it's, you know, I, I think early on you saw the deep shots um, become available because teams hadn't seen how this offense was going to function with Shane Waldron as the offensive coordinator. He's bringing in sort of this marriage of what the Rams did in the past and trying to make it work with what Russell Wilson does really well here. And so I think some of that is why in the first couple of weeks, Indianapolis and Tennessee specifically, you saw some of those deep shots um, to Tyler Lockett, especially become available. Now that they've got a couple of weeks of film, um, teams have kind of started to, started to understand a little bit of what they're trying to do. Now comes the time where I think it's got to evolve a little bit and it's got to be a little bit more of a counter to what um, what they're seeing. And that's a big reason why they brought Shane Waldron in is because this system is supposed to have counters built in. It's supposed to be able to say, OK, we did this for four weeks. Teams know what we've done for four weeks. Now we're going to spin off and do plan B based based off of the same principles of what we do, but maybe not something that teams have been have been seen and, and been preparing for. So. Um, I, this tonight is really fascinating because this is Shane Waldron's old team and they kind of know all of his tricks. And I think it's a really, um, a really interesting test to see how, you know, how that offense can handle someone who knows, um, who, who knows the system so well and, and might be able to counter it in ways that other teams haven't been able to yet this year. Tim, just turning to the defensive side of the ball last season, 
um, the first half of the season they were they were very poor and they seem to address that in the second part of the season and got it got it together. There's been inconsistency so far. Are you concerned going into this game in particular how Stafford has started with the Rams? Yeah, I, I actually am concerned. I, I think I think the biggest issue right now is um, the pass defense showed a little bit last week against San Francisco, but again, that was with Jimmy Garoppolo only playing one half. And you know, if you look at that first drive, he just absolutely carved them up going down the field um, before his calf started acting up on him. Uh, to me, the bigger concern is the run defense. Uh, they're last in the NFL in rushing yards allowed. Now they've played some really good backs. You know, they they played Derrick Henry, um, Alexander Madison with Minnesota is no slouch as a, as a running back. But there's there's warnings, there's concerns there, and it, it's especially concerning because they're playing a defensive front for the first few weeks of the season, where with where they've been going with five defensive linemen for the most part. And typically if you're doing that, it's because you want to try and be stout against the run. Um, and they're still giving up four, I think it's 4.6 yards per carry uh, so far this year. So to me, that's the, that's the bigger concern. I, I I'm definitely afraid of what Matthew Stafford could do tonight, especially with Cooper cup and Robert Woods and, and all the weapons that he has, but for, for, for Seattle and for what they want to try and accomplish defensively, the fact that they're giving up that much on the ground, I think, is is a bigger long-term concern. Matthew Stafford is going to cause problems tonight that that they haven't seen from a quarterback yet this year. But in the broad scheme of where this team expects to be um, as the season progresses, that run defense has to get better, probably starting tonight, because Daryl Henderson is, is, a, is a dang good running back for the Rams. Tim, I know you spoke a little bit there about the season so far for Seattle and also a bit about last week, but... How did you find that last week? Obviously, getting the victory in Levi Stadium. We've seen Alex Collins do a bit of Irish dancing, so I think we were all happy enough to be honest with you. But uh, a win last week. You might, you might see, you might see Alex Collins doing a lot of Irish dancing tonight. Um, there's a, there's a real concern. Chris, Car Chris Carson's not going to be able to go. So if that's the case, Rashad Penny's already on injured reserve. Alex Collins could be, uh, could be the guy tonight. So who knows? You could see a bunch of, of Irish dancing by the time the, the evening lets out. But um, it, it was a massive win. It, it was a huge win like this. It felt like sort of a season saving kind of win, because if you lose that game, you're one and three with the Rams coming in, you have the potential in, in five days of going from one and two to one and four. Um, and as talented as a team, this is, I don't know if they can recover. They could have recovered from being one and four. So you at least stabilized yourself. You, you you gave yourself sort of that window of okay, if we if we can't make the turnaround in five days and and we lose tonight against the Rams, it's not the end of our season. It's not good, but it's certainly not the end of the season. Um, you had to be encouraged coming out of that game with how the defense played in the second half. Yes, they gave up a they gave up a ton of yards um, to the to the 49ers, but it was a little bit kind of like how last year was where they sort of gave up their chunks of yards between the twenties. And then when they got down inside their own 20, they managed to make enough stops to, um, to keep the game in, in their control. And they got some turnovers. They just hadn't, they hadn't gotten turnovers in the first, in the first three weeks. And they got a couple of turnovers um, last week against the 49ers. So it wasn't a, it wasn't a pretty game. Um, Russell was really efficient, but it wasn't necessarily a, you know, a, a, a highlight game for him. Um, other than the one touchdown where he spun out of the sack and, and hit Freddie Swain for the score. But it was a, it was just for a confidence and sort of a stabilizing moment for the for the team and for the fan base. Um, it was a really, really big uh, victory for them. 
Tim, I suppose one, one player coming in uh, this evening who seems to enjoy playing the Rams is uh, Aaron Donald. Um, and, uh, you know, we've discussed on this show whether, um, and I know PFF have this um, debate as well, is he the, the best player in the entire league, let alone the best player at, at just his position? What, what is the plan for the Seahawks to, to try and slow down Aaron Donald this evening? Uh, praying, maybe? I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I tend to agree. He is as uh, he is as dominant of a player that I've seen in for in person in my years of covering um, covering the league. He is just absolutely phenomenal in terms of his speed and his power, his understanding. He's he, you get you just watch him play and you can see how smart he is in terms of reading and recognizing uh, everything that's going on. Um, just just a, a phenomenal athlete on the field it's just it's 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 kind of stunning to sit to sit there and watch a defensive tackle do the things that he's able to do now seattle's got you know their the interior of their offensive line is is actually okay um kyle fuller made his first career start for seattle last year against the rams in the game in in los angeles injury kind of thrust him into having to play in that game and he did pretty well against aaron donald um so you know, I, I think they're certainly it's they're going to be paying attention. They they have to pay attention, but I don't feel like for them the rest of how the Rams front is as maybe dangerous as it was in previous years. So that maybe they can focus a little bit more on 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 Aaron and make sure that he's not the one that's blowing up every play, um, because maybe they're not quite as concerned about the edge rushes. Maybe not not quite as concerned as some of the blitz packages that the that the Rams are bringing, um, but yeah, he's he he has to be the focal point every time you go into a game like this because if he's disrupting things up front, it makes it so much easier for guys like Jalen Ramsey and and the rest of their secondary to to make plays on the back end and and just completely disrupt everything you're trying to do offensively. Tim, dur during the offseason when it was confirmed that the fans were going to be back in, in the stadiums, the first stadium that always seems to pop out in our heads, and we discussed it on the show, was obviously in Seattle and the 12th man. And Surely that hasn't really been discussed too much this week, the factor in terms of how low that crowd can get. And Stafford so far won away game, which was in Indianapolis. I mean, it's not too daunting in comparison to what he has ahead of him tonight. Yeah, it's um, tonight will be tonight will be. You know, it it was it was crazy the first home game because it had been the first time in twenty months that fans had been allowed at a at a Seattle home game. Um, of course, they blew a huge lead in that game and watched Derrick Henry run crazy and kind of left with a little bit of a sour taste in their mouth. Um, but I would expect you know tonight to be kind of turned up to to another notch. And and Matthew Stafford has never played well in Seattle. He's played three games here. Um, sort of, you know, his, his last time here was the playoff game in 2016, I think it was, um, when he was still with the Lions. So he's, he's had moments here, but not, not, not great games here. And, and you're right. The, the, what he's going to face tonight is not what he faced in, in Indianapolis when they went on the road for the, for the first time this season. And there's always something, um, sort of weird, magical, mysterious. I don't know what it is that, that primetime games in Seattle just kind of have, a certain oddity to them. Um, they're just amped up that much more. And usually something weird happens in the, in the closing minutes that sort of kind of determines the way the game goes. You know, I think back to, you know, the, the uh, Sunday night game last year with, with new England where Cam Newton gets tackled on the last play of the game 
Um, you know, like there's a, there's a laundry there's a laundry list of events that have happened through the years of, of primetime games having sort of this special um, special thing for uh, for Seattle and and the crowd feeds off it and everything. So yeah, it, it'll be it'll be super super loud, super amped up tonight. I, I recall a game last season in in, in the division on Thursday night against the Cards at home. And I think the Cards were driving to win the game at the end, and Seahawks managed to pull it out. And I remember the crowd. Well, there was no crowd at that time, but even the atmosphere generally within the team when they won that game was significant. And it was a Thursday night game. Yeah, they just. I we always joke about how the the north end zone. So if you're looking at the game on TV, it's then the end zone to the left. All the weird plays happen down there. All the strange things happen down there. That was where the fail Mary happened with Golden Tate 10 years ago. And it's where um, when the Seahawks played the Lions uh, several years ago on a Monday night game, Cam Chancellor punched the ball out of Calvin Johnson's hands and it went out of the back of the end zone as Detroit was going in for a winning touchdown. I mean, just weird, weird, crazy things happen in that end zone. And so um, and they're usually primetime games. So it wouldn't surprise me if something like that happened tonight. I've just kind of become numb to it i guess you're definitely enticing us to stay up late tonight tim which is good <laughs> because Thursday night football at times can be difficult but this is this is such a good matchup i'm going to take you away from tonight just a second as a broncos fan i'm not going to talk about this super bowl win you know a few years ago in in MetLife stadium but as a guy that's worked you know not just looking at the seahawks but looking at the sonics and other teams in the area in in seattle and obviously uh, an exciting time now in the area with the nhl team What's been your favorite memory outside of that Super Bowl year covering the Seahawks over the last five to ten years? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, you know, the the Super Bowl was was it was special to me because I grew up in the in the Northwest. You know, I was a kid who spent my Sunday afternoons watch before they had all these primetime games. Um, I spent my Sunday afternoons watching Seahawks games with my family. So watching them win a Super Bowl um, in person was was a very cool experience um i'll never forget the the way the 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 stadium shook not i always remember the the marshawn lynch game but that was that game was so crazy that and i was so busy working that against the against green bay in the nfc championship game in in the following year after they won the super bowl was was one of the crazier sort of 15 minute spans of football that I could ever remember um, between how Green Bay had that game one and then everything turned in the final um, couple of minutes of regulation and then it going to overtime. And it just, that that's one of those, just kind of like take a step back and go, wow, I just saw something that is really, um, really special and really kind of crazy. Um, I don't get caught up in the I don't get caught up in the whole fandom thing anymore, but just I get caught up in those moments of like, hey, this is this is really cool. This is really this is a really neat experience to be paid to be here and and see these things happen and try and write about it or talk about um, talk about what took place. So, um, yeah, those those are a couple that that really stick out of like, wow, I, I'm I feel I feel pretty fortunate to be here and, and see that kind of stuff. Tim, maybe um, a final one before we get your pick, but just interested in, um, as somebody who who has covered the team, um, Brian Schottenheimer went to the Jags, and there, from an outside, it seemed like, you know, philosophical differences are what was talked about. Um, the, the Jags, the one thing that might be getting better at the Jags is that, you know, Trevor Lawrence gets better week to week, and we see him, you know, throwing the ball well. 
just as somebody who covered the team, um, what was like Schottenheimer like there, and, and what sort of influence do you think he can have on the the number one overall pick down in Jacksonville? Well, I personally, Brian was, was one of the best coaches we've had to work with um, in the media. He was very forthcoming about things. He was very honest um, about things. He would kind of pull, if you need to pull him off to the side and help you explain things, he was great about doing that. I think he's a really good teacher um, of the game. So I think that's going to benefit someone like, like someone like Trevor Lawrence. I think what happened here was there was just, there wasn't enough, um, I don't, want, I don't know if ingenuity is the right word, but there there wasn't enough creativity probably to, to the way that he wanted to run his offense. That once teams started to figure out last year how Seattle was starting to function, you, you, those first seven games last year, they were crazy good. I mean, they're putting up record numbers. Then teams started to figure out ways to counter it. And there wasn't enough built-in counters to, to Brian's system that meshed with what the personnel was that allowed them to – you know, essentially counter what the, what the other defenses were doing. Um, and that's what led to the problems. That's that they needed something that had more creativity, something that had more depth to it, more ingenuity. And that's why Shane Waldron is, is here. Something that can take more advantage of, of the personnel that's here. Um, but I don't think from a, from a personality standpoint, there was ever an issue. I think it was more, Hey, your offense needs to be a little bit more this, a little bit more that. But in terms of him being a teacher, in terms of, of of having the NFL game be laid out and explained to someone who's a rookie quarterback, I think it's actually a pretty good situation for him and for Trevor. I think Brian's really good at those kind of things. Um, and it doesn't surprise me to see that Trevor is getting better week after week. That's going to come with more experience. But he also has a, a good leader in, in Brian and Daryl Bevel, frankly, um, in, in Jacksonville to – help him along those ways. Um, you know, we'll see how far it can go, but I think that's actually of all the landing places for him. I thought that was actually a pretty good one um, in terms of the opportunity he had to, to teach the game. Tim, you touched on the fact that if they had a loss last week, they would, would have been one and three. So it was a big relief to get that win going into the game this evening. And you can follow up with your pick if you wish. Um, who's, who do you believe is under more pressure? Do the Seahawks need to win this game or is it a case of the Rams having to rebound after last week's defeat? Because, so many people believe the Rams are one of the clear favorites to go to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I, I think if you're talking in terms of, of the division race, it's more important to the Rams um, because Arizona, they seem legit yeah. <laughs> for, for right now. Uh, they're 4-0. So I, I, but I think it, so in terms of the division, I think it's more important for the Rams. In terms of for the team's psyche, for the fan psyche, um, a little bit of, of payback for what happened last year in the playoffs. Um, I think this is a really important game for Seattle. And like I said, I think one and four would have been disastrous. Two and three is not great. Um, the schedule does soften for Seattle for a few weeks coming up. And then it gets really, really tough in November. So to me, it's, it's, it's kind of the Rams can, the Rams can drop this and still win the division with some help. They win this, they stay right on the heels of Arizona and a team that hasn't proven that they can really do it yet with with a, a young quarterback and a, and a young head coach. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know who it's more important for now. That I'm talking it out with you. I, I'm, I'm not sure. I think the Rams win. 
I think that's probably my pick. I think the Rams win. I think it's close. Um, 28, 24, something like that. I, I, I think the, I think the injury concerns for Seattle are significant. Um, I wonder if they're going to be able to get pressure on Stafford and there's nothing about Seattle's past defense so far that shows me that if they don't get pressure, they're going to be able to slow down someone like, like Matthew Stafford. Um, I think Seattle will have some success moving the ball offensively. This isn't the Rams defense of the past, but um, you know, I, I don't think they make enough plays. I, I think the Rams win something like 28, 24, 27, 24, something like that. He's only been sacked three times so far. Yeah, they've, they've done an exceptional job protecting him. And Seattle's kind of beat up with their pass rush. And since and since week one, they've not shown the ability to get pressure on the quarterback consistently outside of having to blitz. Um, and that was the big thing in week one against Indianapolis was they were able to pressure with their front four um, and get home and, and get some sacks. And they just haven't been able to do that in the in the subsequent three weeks without having to bring extra guys. And if you're, blitz, if you're bringing seven against Matthew Stafford, if they give him just enough time, he's going to find open guys and guys like Robert Woods and Cooper cup can, can tear you up. Absolutely. Uh, Tim, look, I mean, that, that, that division is, is just crazy. And we, we want to thank you for coming on. Obviously a few hours before kickoff, I know the time difference is a bit crazy where you are. I'm presuming Tim that you're, that you're going to be getting up at 6 30 AM to watch the, the biggest game of the season in London on, on Sunday. I'm joking. It's very early, <laughs> it's very early well, on, on, on the West coast. I, I, I might get up because I'm a I'm a Tottenham fan just so I can see pictures of the oh. stadium as a football as a as a American football stadium. But um, yeah, we'll see. I, the Jets the Jets Falcons isn't quite that uh, intriguing. I'm, <laughs> I might I might consider sleeping in on a Sunday for a change. Let, let's see what happens. I guess yeah. And of course, you know if if you're following the team, it's it's a Sunday up as well and and, and enjoy it. But uh, Thank you so much for coming on, Tim. Really appreciate it. If anybody wants to follow Tim, I encourage anybody in Ireland, UK, or Europe, NFL fans, at by Tim Booth, Tim, yeah? Uh, yep, on, by on Tim Booth, and, yep. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Tim, and hopefully we will repay the favour for coming on in London next year or somewhere else with a pint of Guinness. Thank you. Sounds good. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Tim. Pleasure to have Tim Booth on there, uh, at, uh, sorry, at by Tim Booth on Twitter, uh, and great to hear a bit of Seahawks talk there as well, lads. But now, the important the important news um, that these boys, well, I think you're aware of it. What have you got for us, Michael? Oh. Nightclubs are reopening? Well, they've been reopened here for months, Brian. Uh, this Sunday, we have got the Irish NFL show live from Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. When I say Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, boys, we mean across the road from it uh, but it's like the backdrop we're on a rooftop and stuff so it's gonna be pretty cool live sunday 9 a.m really excited to do this and call them I, I guess for us it's uh it's the next step for us but it's it's a very exciting time for anybody never mind taking part in the show but just even watching the show as well yeah i mean the after i suppose the cancellation of the the games last year and and everything um that uh, we've all been through it's it's great to see the the games return and it's going to be very special for us to um, have the opportunity to broadcast live on sunday and to do so you know within a throw stone's throw of the the stadium before the the game um, will make it kind of even more special. So looking forward to it. It's supposed to be a sunshiny weekend in, in London, uh, which will make it even better. So plenty to look forward to over the next few days. 
Absolutely. And Brian, uh, obviously news this evening, but we're, we're actually waiting on our next guest, who is, I have it written down here, Bob Condotta, who covers the Seahawks for the Seattle Times. He's coming on in five minutes. But Brian, uh, Calvin Ridley, not traveling with the Falcons. Uh, our friend Michael Lavery is going to the training center tomorrow for the Falcons. And I'm sure he's going to ask Arthur Smith, Brian, why he's not there. Well, there's a lot of speculation as to why he's not there. One, including the fact that they don't believe he's been vaccinated, but we we haven't seen that confirmed, so we, we won't run too much into that. But and apparently, the Falcons brand, and I've seen that myself, are the first team to come out in August saying they were 100% vaccinated. And apparently, the UK aren't requiring elite sports persons to be vaccinated. As somebody that lives in the north, I had no idea. So well, they're saying it's personal reasons, so maybe we're just assuming mm, it's it's the vaccination so. situation. So maybe there is a reason why he's not travelled. They've left it to the day in which. They were departing to get to, to London to make that decision. So maybe there was something unforeseen that came up. Um, I'd imagine the Jets have schemed all week to play against him. And not just him, but Gage, the other wide receiver, who's also not travelled and won't play on Sunday. So there'll be a lot of reliance, not to get too much into the game itself, because we will discuss that on Sunday. Um, mm. But the fact that, uh, let's be let's be fair, I don't think uh, Kyle Pitts has hit the ground running so far. I don't know if that's, it's a case of how they're running the offence and he's not been overly involved. And they're going to gradually bring him in as the season goes on. So we all expected him to hit the ground running the way in which he was perceived in the draft as a generational tight end who's also deemed to be a wide receiver. We haven't seen a lot of him. Maybe Sunday is the day in which he steps up to the mark. And we touched on it last week's show. Cordell Patterson seems to be the player who's come out of nowhere. He's had a good career. He's been around different teams, the Patriots, the Bears. And, but he scored three touchdowns last weekend. And he looks to be re-energized and having a great season. So, look, there is other great players on the show. This weekend for the Falcons and for the Jets. Let's be fair, as both teams have good players. And just in terms of the show, was for our streaming live on Sunday, and I really can't wait for the show. And I actually can't wait for the game itself. The amount of work involved and the commitment from all of us to get this done, um, and for other people outside of the show who've helped us to get the equipment and all the components that come with putting a live show on this Sunday, including people in the UK. Again, it's early, but I want to thank them in advance. That because um, without all the help, this wouldn't be happening on Sunday. I'm excited for week two whenever we've done it after one week, but I'm sure there may be a, a mishap or two on Sunday, but sure it'll be a bit of crack as well. At nine until 10.30, approximately a.m. on Sunday. That is ahead of the Atlanta Falcons against the New York Jets, which is a Tottenham Hotspur Stadium on 2.30 on Sunday. That game is on Sky Sports. The second game is on BBC One NI, which I have been led to believe, Colin, you can get everywhere in the South. So everybody should be happy enough with that. Well, I I grew up uh, and we down in Formoy we used to get uh, S4C rather than uh, Channel Four, <laughs> oh, uh, so uh, uh, yeah, you'd to hear about Connectly and Pontypridd a lot. Well, Colin, anybody, Colin, uh, Colin yeah. used to put a pound in the meter he did to keep the TV running. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say if anybody's struggling to watch the game, you know, and they're in the south, I was going to say come up to me, but we'll be at the game, so I mean, that'll be. It's not going yeah. to happen. Maybe one, one the door weeks. and annoy my wife. Yeah, yeah, one of two weeks. You know, we're promoting obviously this Sunday show, but yeah, just so I, as as you rightly put out there, Michael, we'll be doing this exact same show the following week. It's gonna be great. I can't wait, and hopefully we should have uh, a couple of guests on Sunday. We will have more guests to follow on Sunday when we actually get sorted. I know Colin and Brian will have to fill out their customs forms, entering the non-EU. Different talk for a different podcast. We're waiting on Bob Condetta coming on here. Boys, is there anything taking your fancy in the NFL this week outside of the talk of the London games, outside of the Rams and the Seahawks tonight? Yeah, well, I suppose it probably comes as a, as a, as a shock to you. Uh, Urban Meyer, 
I mean, this week has literally been a saga beyond saga, you know, from the fact that he didn't travel back on. It's a bit weird because it happened last Thursday night in the game which they played in Cincinnati, and then it happened on Friday. A lot of the focus, both for the show and for NFL fans, was all about Sunday's games. But once the week's games concluded on Monday night, kind of start delving into what happened then. And obviously we've all seen the video and won't say any more than that, but it just it just shows a very bad lack of commitment from a head coach that he hasn't travelled back with the team. It's unforeseen. Like of all the podcasts and different reports I've seen this week, I haven't heard of any player or head coach not travelling back to the team, with the exception of situations where there's family difficulty and you have to stay on. He hasn't travelled back. I mean, the guys are in 12 million a year. He, he wanted to spend time with his grandchildren in Columbus, Ohio. Do the right thing, travel back with the team. I'm sure you can afford a private jet to send you back the next day. You know, instead of actually going back to work and evaluating as to why they lost. And in fairness to them, they played reasonably well last Thursday against the Bengals and lost their last second field goal. They were 14 points up in the first half. They played well the week before that. They're not, it's not like they're getting blown out of games. So for all the disturbances and conversations coming out that he's lost addressing him, and maybe he has because, he, and rightly so, after what's happened over the past week. And They've got a game on Sunday against the Titans, which is going to be difficult itself, but it just shows, again, the lack of understanding of head coaching in the NFL against head coaching in college because you might be at Ohio State and you can do whatever you want and players, college players will follow suit. It's not the same in the NFL. What do you think of that, Colm? Um, yeah, I, I I, mean, I think the, the reaction to it has been very telling. The fact that everybody everybody has said that from high school to college to their professional careers they never saw a head coach um to not travel home with the uh the team and so you know it's just i i don't i i think i i think the bar added to it but i think even if he had even if he that that hadn't happened um and uh, it, there would have been it would have probably been a talking point but I, I think the fact that uh obviously when that emerged it just uh led to it but you know i've seen the point made um you know in in numerous places this week how do you, how does he say to the players during their off week um that you know um to, to keep the head down to, to keep working like it's it makes it very very difficult and i know there's been talk uh from michael lombardi and michael silver that there's an awful lot of players in in the dressing room who are supposed to be you know already if, if not done then very very close to it so it's one to really keep keep an eye on it, it like and it's not it's not just this it's been a catalog of errors throughout the summer um things that just made no sense and um this is the latest and obviously the most high profile incident um but when when your owner makes a statement like that you're on very thin ice well yeah he's made a statement and he's basically said to read between the lines you know you've, you've you want to get your act together and you know you completely lost the trust of both the the ownership and the players. The reality is, when money talks and to sack them, sorry, to fire them, whatever, whatever term you want to use, um, it's going to cost them the bones of 12 million because he's only in the job a couple of months. So I find it hard to see how they will, unless he wants to absorb that type of cost. But the reality is, he's going to, 
he's going to have to pay that out. And I think it's one of those situations, get to the bye week, which is the week after the game in London. So this weekend, Titans, next weekend, uh, the yeah. Dolphins, and then the week thereafter, reassess the situation. But I would imagine if they were to get any results in the next two weeks, and it's not against the realm's possibility because the NFL is such a unusual league at times, it wouldn't surprise me if they were to go out and win this game on Sunday against the Titans. But all will be all will come to it. I suppose it will come to a head at some stage. I'd imagine it will be on the bye week. Absolutely. And we've actually got our guest, Leonard, to bring him in here now from Seattle, the guy that covers the Seahawks for the Seattle Times, Bob. I'm so sorry if I, if I pronounce your surname wrong. Blame my Irish accent. Bob Condotta. Bob Condotta. Bob, welcome in. Can you hear us okay? Yeah. Hey, how are you guys doing? Well, thank you very much. I know we had uh, slight technical issues there, and it's, it's it's the joys of the internet, and it, it, it's a pleasure to have you on, on the Irish NFL show. Just firstly, Bob, um, have you any Irish heritage yourself? Have you ever been over here to Ireland at all? Or? I have not. I would like to. I've been to Scotland. So when the Seahawks played in London um, a few years ago, we we uh, I've been to, I've been to London a few times. Uh, but w- when the Seahawks played that game over there a couple years ago, we did we took the train up to Edinburgh and kind of spent a day or two up there and did that. I have not been to Ireland though. I, I would like to do that. Um, I do have some Irish heritage on my grandmother's, my mom's, my mom's mom's side of the family. Not a lot, but uh, a tiny little bit. Well, um, certainly we uh, we'd encourage you to come over and uh, check it out, and you'll have uh, three tour guides uh, now, Bob. Whenever, <laughs> whatever you do, come over. Um, I, I suppose in, interested in in talking to you, Russell Wilson, hundred wins uh, now in the in the NFL. Um, you know, we saw, I suppose, in the off season, perhaps, uh, you know, express some unhappiness, but he certainly is playing uh, the at the beginning of the, these opening kind of four games. Um, he looks like he's enjoying himself mightily, uh, himself and Tyler Lockett linking up quite well. Uh, your thoughts on Russell's opening uh, four games to this season? Yeah, it's been it's been solid. Uh, you know, we, we saw a lot of a lot of fun flashes of, of sort of the new wrinkles in the offense with Shane Walder and the new offensive coordinator in the game against Indianapolis. Um, feels like maybe we haven't seen quite as many kind of new things the last few weeks. It's, it's sort of looked a lot, quite a bit, I think, like the like the familiar Seahawks offense with some real subtle tweaks, I think, here and there. But I, it never made sense to me to do a complete overhaul because Russell's good at what he's good at, and you're always going to want to have him do those things. Um, you know, they need to get better at sustaining drives. They've, they've sort of been this quick hit offense, and they've either like scored in bunches quickly or like we saw last week, have five straight three and outs, you know, kind of being that grinded out offense. They haven't done a ton of that, but they, but the last couple of drives, you know, they had a couple of drives against San Francisco. I mean, 81 and 80 yards that, that were really good steps in, in that direction. But, you know, in general, the, the offense isn't the issue with the Seahawks. I mean, they, you know, Russell with Russell and, and with the receivers they have, um, they're always going to, they're always going to put up points and be a threat to score from anywhere on the field. Uh, Bob, do you feel the, the, the pressure's on to, to, in the game tonight? I mean, the significance of another NFC West game, having won last week and how challenging division is because people believe it's one of the best divisions of football. And we've, I suppose we've been pleasantly surprised by how well Arizona have started the season at, at 4-0. Your thoughts, is the pressure more on them or on the Rams, do you believe? Uh, no, I think it's more on Seattle for sure. I mean, you don't want to lose a home game in the division. And if you lose to the Rams, you go two games behind the Rams already um, with uh, – 
you know, knowing you've got to go to the Rams later in the year. And then, as you mentioned, Arizona sort of a surprising 4-0 there. But I think you got to start taking them seriously after what they did last week to the Rams in L.A. So, no, it's def- I think anytime you're the home team, the pressure is more on you. I, you know, the pressure is on the home team to kind of win that game and hold serve. And, you know, that's why la- last week was such a huge win for them to not be 1-3 and coming into this game and get a road win against the division team. And, you know, if they'd have lost last week, they would have been two games behind everybody in the division already. And this game would have felt make or break. Uh, you know, this game now doesn't feel make or break, but it definitely, you know, if you're two and three and again, every other team and, you know, or, or the Rams in Arizona would each be four and one at worst anyway, after the end of the weekend, you know, that starts to be a little bit, you know, I, I know it's early, but it's also, you know, almost 30% of the season they will have played after tonight. So, uh, you know, every game kind of matters in the NFL that way. I tell you what, uh, Bob, it's a hell of a game for a Thursday night. It's it's definitely something to entice us getting up at one or two o'clock in the morning to watch it. Uh, have you any exclusive scoop on Chris Carson? Do you think he'll play it tonight or do you think he'll be very, very limited if he does? Well, I think he'll be, yeah, I, I mean, if he plays, it's, I don't think he's going to get 18 carries or anything like that. But I think there's a chance for standing as this is sort of a true fit. Um, you know, it was interesting. We just got in the last half hour their transactions for today, and they did not elevate Josh Johnson off the practice squad, which I thought if they for sure knew Carson couldn't play, they might do. Uh, he's a, he's the uh, running back who's on the practice squad with, you know, the undrafted rookie free agent who was their leading rusher in the preseason. And, um, you know, if they wanted to make sure they had another running back, because usually they've had all their, you know, all four running backs have been active in their games this year. Um, you know, Travis Homer and DJ Dallas each play a lot on special teams. And so I thought if they knew for sure Carson's not going to play or, you know, the talk that maybe this was a significant thing, they could have put him on injured reserve today as they did with the Eskridge, but they didn't do any of that. So I think that does indicate that there's a chance he, that there's a chance he plays and kind of comes down to, comes down to how he feels. But, you know, my understanding is this isn't something they're worried about from a big picture, long-term perspective, but it is something that's been bothering him this week. And so we'll see, but if he does, play i certainly you know i think alex collins is going to play i would have shown the last two weeks that he deserves playing time and deserves to be out there but you know again so much of the nfl and and if you're pete carroll you're thinking about the long term you know you got to get through 17 regular season games and then get into the playoffs so you know i think he likes the idea of having two running backs he can use quite a bit here so you know i don't think either guy if if carson's healthy i don't think either guy is going to get 20 or 25 carries i think they'll try to split it up Bob, um, I suppose we we spoke earlier in the show about um, Aaron Donald and and what a you know he seems to enjoy playing the the Seahawks, um, and you look at his record, I think fifteen games, fifteen sacks. Outside of, of Donald, um, I, 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 with your Seahawks hat on, what are what are the what about the Rams? Um, you know, is uh, it, it would concern the the Seahawks? Well, I mean, their secondary on paper should be good. I, I know they've they've struggled last week against Kyler Murray, but with Jalen Ramsey and you know Taylor Rapp, a guy that we're very familiar with here because he was a standout player at the University of Washington and all of that, you know, you would think that they that should be a tough matchup for the Seahawks. It was. Hoping Bob's still here. We're going to give it 30 seconds, and I'm going to say Novena. Can you bring him, bring him back in? Do you ever watch the IT crowd? Have you tried turning it off now again? Here yep. we go. Let's, let's, let's see. Thanks so far. Uh, you know, see you know, 
We lost you for a little second there, Bob, but we, I think we have you back. Can you hear us okay? Yeah. There we go. Can you hear us okay, Bob? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. No worries. I'll tell you what, Bob, just with connection issues, Brian has got one final question, if you can hear him. Bob, I was just going to ask about Pete Carroll. He, um, I suppose he never seems to slow up. He's, you know, I suppose in many ways, he's similar to Bill Belichick. How many more years do you believe genuinely he's going to continue to, to uh, do this head coaching role? Because he, the passion never seems to end with him. Bob is gone. I'm, I'm hoping and praying that Bob's here. But uh, I'm just going to very quickly see if we can work it out. And I'm just going to hit a button and, and hope that it works. But uh, Bob, if you can hear us, uh, we'd just like to thank you for coming on. Like, you know, taking the time to sit and talk to us ahead of a big game tonight. It really is appreciated. And uh, I don't think he's not there. No. He's outside the stadium. And Bob, if you are if you are listening to this, if, if you're watching this, uh, thank you very much for coming on. And I'm sure we can get Bob again when he's not outside Lumen Field. And uh, we'll chat some more Seahawks. But uh, we've got another guest coming on in a minute. We've got Ollie, Ollie Connick coming on from the Guardian US. Um, you boys were talking there about Aaron Donald. Is there anything else that we should be aware of before we have this game tonight, boys, that we should maybe chat about or before we get the next guest on? I just I'm intrigued to see how well this Seattle offensive line plays against this dominant, you know, Rams defense because they haven't hasn't been touched on so far because uh, Russell Wilson has played reasonably well but you know there's frailties there and you know there was the whole offseason saga around Russell Wilson thinking he needed to have more say and obviously they locked up the left tackle in, in the offseason with, with a big contract but I'm not entirely sure that's I'm convinced that that's the the line is fit for purpose in the long run so yeah i suppose this tonight it's a real test do you agree colin yeah i mean i suppose we, we'll, we'll come to the the picks um later on um i i think the the rams still have a a bit to to iron out on on defense with staley going to to the chargers um they haven't they haven't looked the same and it could never look the, the same i mean even if they they promoted from from within um when you lose somebody um like stalian we you can see you know the kind of mind that he has we saw him um this week and i think everyone was super impressed understandably uh, about um the the clip of him talking about uh, you know running the ball and stuff like that so he's clearly a, a very brilliant mind um, so it takes time to bed a new system in. Um, you 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 imagine that uh, Seahawks will look to exploit that, um, but divisional games are you know it's it's a bit little bit like um, you know uh, local derby games um, in 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 the Premier League. It can you know form and 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 where it is because there's so much at stake. Um, you you lose one of these and it, it can it can set you back. Um, whereas obviously if the the Seahawks were to to get the win tonight, that's a, an enormous um, boost to them. Um, so that's what makes I think this one kind of so intriguing, especially in the NFC West, which is so stacked. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. No, just Sorry, do you want to add something to that, Brian? Yeah. 
No, I just look. You, you touched on it earlier. Like for all the Thursday night games, with the exception of Week One when the Bucks played the Cowboys, you know we haven't been really too never with what's, what's been put in front of us. But you know, there's always an NFC West game on a Thursday night. Last year the Cards were away against Seattle. It was a great game, and I, I imagine we'll have a really, really good game ahead of us this evening. Absolutely, we are delighted to be joined by a guy uh, called Ollie Conley, who works for the Guardian US, former NFL scout and CFL analyst as well ollie a, a warm welcome into the irish nfl show ahead of a of a stacked fairies night football it, it's your debut on here welcome in thank you for having me appreciate the time ollie and look you've been on a number of different podcasts the last few weeks you've been on mina kimes podcast with lenny and stuff you've been a busy man but uh, before we start off any i, I know obviously you're from the uk but have you any irish connections yourself that, that's a decent surname you have there yeah that 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 connolly is the connolly the, the i think the great great granddad it's not that far back um in fact it's funny whenever i walk around even uh, in edinburgh you know they have a giant connolly society i went with um my wife's in-laws my in-laws came over to to visit us and we met them in edinburgh and walking around they had connolly society posts everywhere and i look if you look at my face as people can see now and pull up a picture of the guy we look we couldn't look more alike so uh yeah pretty decent irish connection i'd say yeah, I think I think that's a, that's a pretty solid <laughs> one, all right. Definitely, uh, figure figure it when we saw that the, the Connolly. That was there was a good opportunity uh, there. Um, Ali, look, you wrote a, a really interesting piece uh, a few weeks back about like the way um, smart defenses are evolving, as as you said, uh, to kind of counter the the bootleg. Um, for for me, for viewers who maybe um, haven't haven't had the opportunity to to read the piece. Can you talk a little bit about that? I, I I really enjoyed going through it. I know I'm asking you to surmise a giant piece that you have, which is uh, really intricate and detailed and goes into it. But it is a, an interesting piece, the way in which defenses are are looking to respond. Yeah, I think well, there's two components to it, right? So you have the front end and the back end. The, the front end is probably the most intriguing thing because it's the most immediate change. Um, usually when you're defending a boot, like the thing is that the team's – Every coach you ever speak to, if any of you guys ever even do local coaching, coaches, defensive coaches, only care about the run fit, which I know sounds strange to people because it's a passing league and it's a passing game now. They are terrified of the run fit. A run fit, you know, and a run popping for 40 yards down the field, that's them losing their job, right? Pass play, you can just blame the cornerback and say, oh, he wasn't in the right spot. If a run fit pops and you schemed it up wrong, it is a disaster and everyone is leaving the building on Monday. So forever... Every time you get the outside zone lead stretch or any of those outside plays where the boot comes off it, that that back end lineman who shuffles down the line and does his little thing, you know, he does a little jiggle down the line because he is terrified of the, the cutback bouncing back of Derek Henry making him miss and going for 60 yards and, and him getting cut and his defensive coordinator being let go. So they've just always played it that way. Now what teams have decided to do is say, well, we are getting absolutely killed off the bootleg. Aaron Rodgers is mauling people on shot plays. The entire point of the McVay, Shanahan offense, the Gruden offense is to build explosive plays off a boot action principle, right? So why don't we attack that first and worry about the run later? So what they do, as I wrote in the piece and explained, is they call it green lighting, which is just go hit the guy. Hit the guy on every play. So if it's a run play and we're out of the fit, all right, let's just treat it like option football. Let's treat it like when Aaron Rodgers is back there, it's Lamar Jackson. And we use all these creative principles. We scrape, we, we crack and replace all these coachisms to treat the option, which is account for a quarterback who can run 
as well as the running back. Let's do that with the throw. And so let's just go and attack Aaron Rodgers on every play. And you see how the Cardinals played the Titans in week one, right? Is just go and hit Ryan Tannehill. If the guy bounces it back, we'll fold the safety around. We'll fold the linebacker around. And if that guy's not in position, he's the one who gets blamed. We're hitting Tannehill on every play. And he gives the ball and gives the ball and gives the ball. And the one time he doesn't give the ball, Chandler Jones runs smack into his chest. And it's a, a sack fumble. And we're scoring seven points, right? So th that is a... It's hard to comprehend that how much of a change that is for these defensive coaches. That is about 40, 50 years of playing this one design one way. And then someone saying, why are we doing it this way? Why don't we just go after the guy who's the most viable player on the field? Ali, passing league, passing quarterbacks. But over the past four to five years, we've seen quarterbacks come into the league who I suppose it's kind of the run pass option now. And I suppose when teams are looking at quarterbacks from the draft, it's more so around have they got the legs and one particular quarterback Kyler Murray and the Cards are 4 0, and arguably they're one of the most explosive offenses right now within the league. Are you, are you pleasantly surprised about how well they've, they're doing? Because there was always an argument coming into the season that they just needed a couple of more players having lost out on the playoffs in week 17 last year. Yeah, because they, they've changed absolutely nothing they do. Um, the only one change they made, I was actually writing about this this week, they used to be, have a giant O line. Cliff Kingsbury comes from that air raid school, and the thing was wide splits between each lineman, and everyone must be six five, six six, six seven. We just want to be giant inside. You know, it used to be the three guys inside, the small fellas, and we'll put two trees outside. Well, the Cardinals said, no, everyone is going to be six seven. This year, they said, you know what, that's not working. <laughs> Let's go get Rodney Hudson, who had, they listed six two, but is probably six foot. If we're being generous, he's one of those on those classic fellas who gives himself a couple of inches. So they really shrunk inside and they are just mauling people in the run game. You know, it's short guy inside, natural leverage, all the classic stuff, better run game. So they're just bullying people up front, which is not something they've normally had. Um, schematically, they do nothing different. They're on the same stuff. Everyone knows what they're going to run. They just got really good players. You know, you've got a double team, DeAndre Hopkins. AJ Green seems alive and well. Went to a clinic in Germany or something and suddenly can run again. Rondell Moore is an unbelievable player in space. You know, that guy makes everyone miss. So they just have better players now. Um, the Kyler thing's interesting. He's so much better from within the pocket than people realize. And he's not as good outside the pocket. What happens is you see two or three red zone flashes, which is enough. And you think, wow, this guy runs around all game and he makes unbelievable plays. He's actually not that good at throwing the ball when he breaks out the pocket. He is killing people inside. And the good quarterbacks in the league, even those that run, you have to destroy the blitz. If they're going to send an extra guy, you have to throw the ball behind them and punish them for sending an extra player. You know, if they send one, that means we're plus one somewhere on the field. And for the first few years in the league, he was average to bad against the Blitz. And now he is the best quarterback numerically against the Blitz this season. So he's just taken his game to a level where the one thing that used to give him an issue, he's now attacking better than anyone in the league. So I just don't know how then you can even try to stop that. It's kind of reflective of his numbers. If you're looking at his rushing yards each week, compared to this time last year it's not even close i mean the line in which say the bookmakers are putting each week is around 38 39 yards he's, he hasn't hit two in two of the games he hasn't hit over that because he hasn't he hasn't needed because the offensive line is doing so well yeah and also people are just saying like okay this guy's better than us so let's just drop as many people in coverage as possible and keep eyes on him so, you know, if they're, if they're rushing three, dropping eight, there's just nowhere to run. And also, it's just easier to get rid of the ball quickly. Um, so people are trying to force him to throw the ball, and he's just bullying them through the air as well. Ali, I'm, I'm not going to ask you who you think is, is most improved or who the 
big packages been so far this season, four weeks in. Who have you who have you been most surprised by in a bad way? Like who has shocked you four weeks in? If you had to shocked. pick one, if you can't if you can't pick one, that's fine. But who have you been like the least impressed with after four weeks? Oh, least impressed with. Um the first well, everything the Falcons do is just tire fire. I, I would be really surprised if that they brought that staff back because it's it's like incompetent levels of stuff. I'm talking about like I've used this example a bunch of times this week, so apologies, people have heard it. They don't time up the snap correctly, which uh, for professional players is embarrassing. They run all that jet stuff, you know. Everyone runs jet now. The guy goes flying behind, and let's get confuse the eyes. They don't time it properly, so that guy is often scooting. Then the snap comes about uh, two or three beats after it's supposed to. So as the defense, you're like, well, that guy just flew over there, all right? So he's not getting the ball, or he's behind the line of scrimmage, so we'll just go and rally to him. The point is to time up at the snap so that then it's confusing who has the ball. So they can't even do that right. I mean, that is something that you would be in trouble for in high school, right? These are professional players and we're not, this is not week one. This is not preseason or into week, what are we in week five now? And they don't time the snap correctly. Either that is they don't time it correct or the coach has designed a system to eliminate one player. He's decided to play 10 on 11 with bad players. So one of those things is really bad. So the Falcons, I think, in terms of, I wouldn't say it's surprising, right, that they had, they, they had, I think most people suspected it would be, I mean, they went through that weird thing where I was like, are you rebuilding or you're not? We trade Julio, but we keep Matt Ryan. It was a strange one. Um, but they look um, incompetent, which I was not expecting Arthur Smith to be that that bad and that unprepared on that side of the ball. Well, this is a good moment just to advertise that we're at Tottenham on Sunday <laughs> for the Falcons against the Jets. <laughs> 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Feel free to drop in, Ollie, with a Guinness or a can of Guinness. You can buy alcohol in England before 10 o'clock. Yeah, it seems don't, like I'm a not, civilized not society sure can, will yeah. allow you to do that. So I have no idea, Colin. Um, I, I think that like the, the Arthur Smith thing is really interesting in that uh, and the broader point about making the transition from coordinator to head coach because we've obviously seen over the years so many great coordinators um you know just str struggle to, to make that transition but Ali one of the things um you know you wrote this week about um Justin Herbert um and what a what a talent he is and and the NFC or the AFC West obviously is Patrick Mahomes what do you do if you're the Broncos and the Raiders and you're looking at Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert for the next 15 years? Yeah, I guess you try and lobby for some kind of relocation. Are they, are they taking, when are we doing expansion? Can we move to the, the Canadian division whenever that starts? Like, what's the deal here? Because, yeah, I, what do you do? What, well, what you try and do, I guess, is what the, the Broncos didn't do this offseason is to go and try and get Justin Fields and try it on for a couple of years. And if that doesn't work, go and try and get the next guy. And who knows what happens? You know, we live in the player empowerment era now. Maybe Justin Herbert gets sick of LA for some weird reason and decides to, to, to want to move somewhere else. Um, yeah, I think what I would not do is roll with Teddy Bridgewater for as far as he's been through the first few weeks and somehow believe Drew Locke would become something and then decide that's over after 12 days. Um, I would try every year to try and find a guy who could compete with those guys on the field. Ali, judging by Justin Herbert's letter that was shown on Monday Night Football when he was nine years of age, being a quarterback and living in, in California, I don't think he's going to be moving anywhere anytime soon. You touched on Justin Fields there. There's so many Bears fans in Ireland and the UK. We have to talk about this, the saga, and it has become a saga, but it seems to have come to it. And then finally, on Monday, uh, Coach Nagy, Matt Nagy saying that 
Dalton is still the quarterback. Then come Wednesday, he's saying, oh, no, it's actually Justin Fields. And we saw so much of his production last weekend that we know he's a starter long term. I mean, all of this could have been resolved so much sooner because it was inevitable he was going to be the quarterback. Yeah, I think that the most panicking thing if I was a Bears fan about that press conference was Matt Nagy saying how freed he felt by giving up play calling duties and he was allowed to be involved in all three phases of the game. It's like, whoa, 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 dude, can you just like, you'd stay in one room and maybe don't call plays and don't be coming to the other two rooms that have been semi-okay. And Probably should doing... stay off every room at <laughs> yeah, this stage. Yeah, I think, I think just sit this one out maybe till the end of the season and just hope, hope that Justin Fields saves your job somehow. That That's kind of how it's looking for him. Um, yeah, I, if it, I've made my Nagy thoughts clear publicly for like seven years now. It almost feels unfair at this point to just keep going after the guy. I just think he is, yeah, I've never ever seen a single thing that I would call close to impressive. You know, he, he runs five or six gimmick plays a year that seem to always be on like Monday night football. Like he saves them for the for the national game so that then, you know, people go on first take and they say that he must be okay because he ran some weird play once and some kind of, oh, you know, creative offensively. I think he is the worst, um, the worst sequencing play caller in the league. That's what everything is about. Modern football is layering play designs, sequencing plays, setting something up now that will pay off later on in the game. And if not now, next week and we'll build our own tendency and then we'll break our own tendency and he just runs every single thing every single week independent from one another first down is first down doesn't matter what we did on first down now it's second down nothing ever is married together and to throw a rookie quarterback into that and say i don't know you figure it out here's three plays in the huddle and you figure out which one you want it's just like it's just crackers there was also the comment saying that he was lead. He was asking uh, Fields to play the Andy Dalton offense, but he really you should be using utilizing this quarterback and the skill set that he has coming out of college and putting an offense, putting a, a playbook around him more so. Yeah, I find that argument to be vapid. I think that's like no one ever has built an Andy Dalton offense ever. I mean, at TCU he ran some spread option stuff way way back in the day. He was quite an athletic fella in college, but there's not a single human being who's woke up in the morning being like, "Let me design the Andy Dalton offense." Matt Nagy runs the same stuff everyone is running. The, the, the schematic design overall, it's just a knockoff version of Kyle Shanahan's offense. I would not be floored if he decided to run Andy Reid's offense for a couple of years, found the Shanahan playbook and was like, well, I guess this is pretty good. Let's just run with this one. It's the exact same stuff. It really is. I mean, I could pull up for you now. We could screen share it. He runs the exact same stuff. He just doesn't have the innate Kyle Shanahan-ness who knows exactly how to sequence these plays that against this front, I'm going to run this thing. And I'm going to, Kyle Shanahan runs 10, 11 plays to figure out how the defense responds so then he knows how to attack it in the second half. Matt Nagy is pure vibes, man. He just comes out first down. Let's go. Here's the play. Uh, that that's that's the difference, right? That the actual designs, if you go through them one by one, they they look the same to what the, the good callers are running. Let's uh let's take one more round, Ollie. We'll we'll quick fire it in that sense and then I'm sure, sure Brian will ask for your pick ahead of tonight's game at the very end. Late night game boys it's it's tough working tomorrow morning. Uh how about them cowboys Ollie? How about Amazing. them Cowboys? Like yeah. they, they look good, man. Yeah. You, I don't know how you defend that. They can do absolutely everything. They get big and they flatten you in the run game again. You know, they play with two tight ends. They now play with Connor McGovern, the guard, as a fullback. And that is that's terrifying. And they move him around. He like dances around the backfield. They motion him everywhere. And then he comes careening around the corner and you're a linebacker. Right, right, I fit this up pretty good. I think we've got this sold. And then here comes a 300-pound guy rolling around the corner. It's like, whoa, where did he come from? It's not supposed to look like that, flying at the second level. And um, so, yeah, and then when they get into the drop-back passing game, they have three number one receivers. That's 
no one else in the league has anything close to that. And Dak is playing as well as anyone in the league. You cannot play man coverage if you play zone. Dak eats you apart in the past game. It's, that's the the perfect formula. The only thing that would that would stop them having a deep deep playoff run is is health. You know, if those three receivers stay healthy, that offensive line keeps getting beat up. If they can keep those guys healthy throughout the season, if Dak stays healthy, they are as loaded as anyone. From from the Cowboys who are playing unbelievably to the Steelers, um, what what <laughs> what? How how do they get through the 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 rest of the season, Ali? What what do you do? I mean, we saw Adam Schefter say today that there's no way that they will bench Big Ben, but obviously we saw the Broncos do that with Peyton Manning back in, in 2015. But if they're not going to bench Big Ben. What 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 do they what do they do? How how do they how do they scheme? Is there is there anything they can do, or are they just done for? No, yeah, they bring in Matt Canada. They promote him from the quarterbacks coach. I don't know how much you guys follow college football, but Matt Canada is this kind of like mad scientist wizard fellow who gets sacked everywhere he goes, but he runs really bizarre stuff where they'll shift every player the the line three times on a play. I mean, this is like whatever is permissible in the rule book, he'll run it. Whether any of it makes sense or works is almost by the by for him. It's just purely like, let me experiment and see what I can do on a football field. And then he gets this job in Pittsburgh and he even said in the offseason, oh yeah, we're not running any of my stuff. We're running what Ben wants to run. It's like, well, why did you hire this guy who's been proven to be bad at every level if you're not going to run the study, the idea was all these crazy motions, confuse and clobber, play action, and we kind of hide Ben with all this weirdness, right? And instead, they just say, no, nah, we'll just run what Ben runs, and Ben now doesn't want to get hit anymore, so he won't stand in the pocket, and he doesn't have the arm strength to throw the ball down the field. So we're, we're stuck in no man's line. Oh, and by the way, our offensive line stinks. So that's how we're going to roll all season. And I just, how you fix or address any of that, I have no idea. Haskins would be what I would do, is just see what you've got in Haskins. I don't know why they didn't try and get Gardner Minshew when he was available for a conditional sixth round pick. It's like free quarterback and they didn't get involved in that. That's, that's confusing to me. Um, Honestly, I think this thing ends. If he's going to play, I would not be stunned by like a week 11 retirement announcement where he's like, look, this sucks, man. (laughs) I don't want to get hit anymore. I just got hit. One of those weeks where he gets really, you know, cleaned by Cleveland or something. And he's like, this is just not fun. We're out of the playoff race. I'm done. But if he's struggling in September, Ollie, what's he going to be like coming back in December? So I think that <laughs> says it all. And um, just looking ahead to next week's game in London, the Jags and the Dolphins, and in particular Tua, I know he's injured at the moment, and I suppose it's questionable at this stage whether he's going to be available and traveling next week to play in the game. Where do you stand on Tua? Because there's a lot of mixed uh, views. I mean, I know a number of Dolphins fans. Some love him and think he's the answer long term. Some think he's, he's a, I wouldn't say he's a bust, but they're questioning already whether he's going to be there in the long term. Yeah, and the, the the difficult thing for them, they got to watch this Justin Herbert fella go out there every week and step into the, the fifth lead. pick as opposed to the fourth pick. You know? <laughs> it's just brutal, man. And he looks amazing, and he comes out and he plays amazing, and it's just that uh, so ahead of schedule to everyone in the history of the game, other than Mahomes, to be genuinely a top six quarterback in the league instantly after being an average college player. It's just it's just mind blowing. Um, I, I I went into the season, I was like, this thing about Tua. This is a bit in the weeds, so I apologize. But certain guys are really predominantly hit throwers. The way QBs were taught to throw the ball changed about six, seven years ago because of Aaron Rodgers. And they had to learn to throw with their hip, essentially, which meant they could throw with their legs all over the place. You see Rodgers do that. His legs are going everywhere. There's no mechanics anymore. And he can still put the ball down the field. And they they, they readdress how they move their hips, essentially. 
And Tua was a giant believer in this. He went to all these, you know, special camps where he's doing flexibility with the hips, all that Dak Prescott pregame stuff. And it's all about the hips. So then when you explode your hip in your final game in college, your choice then is either to wait for that to re-strengthen and see what that looks like in a year or completely to rechange your throwing mechanics from the ground up, which is what he did the first year. He was a different guy throwing the ball physically than he was in college so I was waiting this year to see well is he going to stick with that and is that just what it is to something up with the hip long term or will after a year of recovery will he be able to go back to doing the old style throwing where he was just so fast to get the ball out because he didn't need to be planted you could just see it and rip it because he was basically throwing from the hip so I still think that's TBD if he is a change player forever and he had to relearn his throwing motion essentially I just he just doesn't have the other attributes you would need, you know, to to be able to win that way. The way he wins is accuracy and getting the ball out that beat quicker than everyone else. Um, so I guess we'll find out when he's back. I think it's something you 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 will know. I think we'd have known by now if he'd stayed healthy. We'd have been like, yeah, it's just it's just not going to be there. Um, and they need him because they've been terrible without him. Final question, Ollie, and our shameless plug with our sponsors, Matchbook, because uh, we're gonna we're gonna do our picks after, okay, right? So ju okay. just a heads up. Who, who's your pick tonight, and why? Uh, is this with a spread or is this straight up? It, whatever way you want. want man, <laughs> okay, <all> okay. <laughs> let's let's just do the Rams for each. Um, I think one, you know, when you have basically and the Seahawks entire staff is like one let's go and take a guy from the Rams on offense and then defensively let's completely change the structure that's worked for this coach for 25 30 years and try and mimic the Rams in an offseason I feel like the Rams are gonna have a pretty good idea of how to attack both those things so um I just that that Seahawks defense is a tire fire right now I don't really trust Ken Norton to be able to figure that out uh, that fast I think it'll take them a few weeks so um I'll take the Rams It's late. I was on mute. I'm sorry for people listening on the podcast. I I, I apologize. Ollie, look, uh, thanks so many for coming on, man. If if you're over at the games uh, this weekend or next weekend, give us a shout. And really appreciate you coming on. And hopefully we can chat to you again soon, man. Yep. Anytime. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Ollie. Thanks, Ollie. Thank you very much, Ollie. Thank you very much. And hopefully, folks, I'll put uh, I'll put Ollie's at as well. Don't know what the camera. There. I'll put Ollie's Twitter details as well in the uh, description below to try and give him a follow as well. That was good crack. Uh, even much. better crack boys is, is now this we're gonna have to get into position here oh. ready? so we're sort of in this is where we need mark because normally it's four little heads squashed in this is make your mind up time is it this, this is it making your mind okay this is it tonight is uh fairs night football it's the seahawks two and two against the rams three and one column first for you uh What's your thoughts ahead of this game tonight? Obviously, presented by our partners at Mashbrook Betting Exchange. Use code Irish NFL Show for a bonus on your first deposit. 18 plus. Please do not gamble any more than you can afford. Who have you got, Colin? Um, well, I, I said on, on Monday I went for the Raiders, but I did say that it wouldn't surprise me if Chargers won. Also, Chargers are my favorites for the division. Um, and that uh, I predicted that if you went with it, you would lose money um so uh that's, that's the caveat with my pick uh but i uh, everyone's go, going um on the the rams i i just feel this could be a bit like um that remember that rams chiefs game that was an absolute shootout a, a few years ago 
I wonder did the Rams expend a little bit too much energy on that Bucks game, um, and I think there could be a little bit of a hangover. And I know there are issues with um, the Seahawks on de- on defense, um, but Russell Wilson is is able to just make things happen, and. I I just don't think the Rams are as solid on defense as they have been. Um, you know, they, they lost a bit of magic when um Staley uh you know went over to, to the Chargers. Um, you know, it stayed it stayed in the city but went elsewhere. And for that reason, because I, I think the Seahawks really need it, um I I am thinking that the the Seahawks are, are gonna get the, the win um tonight. The big Pete Carl fan, Colin Cronin from Vermont. I'll tell you how what what I what I think is slamming that, the chair uh, now after this. When, when I'm going with Pete with Pete Carroll, Brian, yeah, he'll probably, despite me, he'll probably coach another ten years. Yeah, I know. And unfortunately, Bob wasn't there to answer that question, and it was a good question. I would have loved to hear what he had to say. And look, I, I wasn't convinced by Seattle last week. I said it on Monday's show. Their offense struggled in the first the first half, and the only reason they were in that game at halftime was unfortunately because. As Colin alluded to, Jimmy G just didn't do enough. And as it happens, maybe it was because he had that injury. Um, not sold on Trey Lance just yet. Um, he struggled in the second half. But this Seahawks defense for me is the defense that we saw in the first half of last season as opposed to the second half. And Stafford's only been sacked three times. He's got plenty of weapons there. And Darrell Henderson, who I feel is a very underrated running back, will have a good game. And I think the Rams will rebound. You're talking about hangovers. Well, I think the hangover came last week at home to the Cards. And I think they'll be fired up with another NFC West divisional game, knowing that whilst the Cards are 4 0, if they win this game, they're two games ahead of, of the Seahawks. And for a long time, the Seahawks have been the benchmark of this division. So for me, Stafford rebounds, McVeigh gets his win, and they roll on to 4 1. Talking about hangovers, Sunday morning, 9 a.m., Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, the Falcons against the Jets. Can't wait for that. So Brian's picking the Rams. No Mark here tonight. No comments asking where Mark was. Um, no, Mark no one's missing Mark tonight. We do have his pick. We do have his pick. Uh, we do. Yeah. In a video form. What are you talking about? So <laughs> now, what am I talking about? Here he is. We've got another great game now tonight on Thursday Night Football, which makes up for a couple of clunkers we've had in the last couple of weeks. Um... And it's, again, this super, super competitive and fantastic division in the NFC West. For me, there's a couple of key questions here. Matthew Stafford never beaten the Seahawks in Seattle. He might have bad memories going back to 2017 playoff loss, where his Lions at the time got obliterated by the Seahawks. But the Rams, generally, when it comes to playoffs against Seahawks, are obviously riding on the Dirk Hotels with that great victory they had in January. Uh, Aaron, Ro- Aaron Donald, Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Donald, of course, continues to be a big difference maker in this. And bear in mind, he has sacked Russell Wilson 13 times more than any other quarterback. So he's going to continue his biannual chase of him around the field. Um, for me, it's when I look back at January, I feel that the Rams have improved with Matthew Stafford in the lineup, and they've certainly been enjoying that new toy in the Sean McVay offense. And the Seahawks have disimproved and obviously they've bounced back from their two-game losing streak in winning at San Fran last night. But for me, Rams in this one, uh, but proves to be or should be a cracking game and very much looking forward to it.
Pod, podcast viewers, you missed out. That was a proof of life video, if ever I saw it. It looked like Mark was being held hostage deep in an under, underground bunker. Wow. Wow. Right enough. You would have a shave for the video, wouldn't you? So. <laughs> Thank you, Mark, for sending that in. Mark is not with us on Sunday in London. He's with us for week two. I am looking forward to giving them serious grief. I hope you're not going to get like. I hope you're not getting 14, 15 videos for every game on Sunday. We'll be there. We'll be there to kick off. No, 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 no. Maybe there might be a GoFundMe to to raise enough money to to pay obviously for the cardboard that we're going to have to get to get Mark back out of wherever he's been held. This is man cave. Let me uh, let me round this up very quickly. Uh, I picked the Seahawks to to lose last week. Uh, against San Francisco, and they proved me wrong. Uh, albeit they shouldn't have won the game, and the Rams yeah. are going to defeat them very easily tonight. And I don't think the twelves will make a difference. I want to apologize to Bob. You know, I feel like we could have had great crack with Bob, but uh, Bob, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I, I'm just picking the Rams. I think tonight is the night that maybe for the first time in a long time the Seahawks start to start to go down and, and and we i said it in your gaff brand i don't think the seahawks will make the playoffs i think the rams will move to four and one and then there's only one show in time and we all know what that is boys it's the big game on sunday it is the massive game between the new york jets and the atlanta falcons a huge game this sunday while i'm busy busy i'm talking so the music works but it's not working so let's go okay it is a it is a big game. Like, let's be fair. I know how like, people go, oh look, neither neither of these teams are in reality are going to the playoffs, but I mean the hey. Jets last week we felt the Jets weren't gonna win a game all season. Within a week they could have they could have two wins. The Falcons really should have won last weekend against Washington, you know, and they could have went three and two, so they need to rebound and they'll expect the rebound against the Jets. So for me it's it's an enticing game. It's an afternoon game. I mean, who wouldn't want to be watching NFL on a Sunday afternoon? Absolutely. And Colm, you must be very excited for, for this Sunday, yeah? Very excited. I'm really looking forward to, to seeing Zach Wilson and seeing what he can can do. Because I, I do think both of these teams are going to go into this game thinking it's absolutely winnable. I mean, especially now for with the, with the Falcons losing their number one uh, receiver. Um, because if, if the Falcons have to score points, right? We looking at their defense and, and what they've given up. Um, you you know they have to score points, and the so the, the Jets will definitely be coming in feeling a lot better about themselves uh, in the manner of their their victory as well. Even you know they took advantage of the fact that the the Titans were without. Um, their wide receivers, so you're not going to be able to run all over the the Jets. So I I think this uh, could be an intriguing matchup. But to get the opportunity to to see Zach Wilson um, early in his career, uh, I think will be a, a really really interesting one on Sunday. Really excited for Sunday. Really excited. A couple of things before we go. Obviously that show live both Sundays 9 a.m. We're also giving away two tickets in Block One One Four. For the game this Sunday against the well, the New York Jets against the Atlanta Falcons game kicks off at two thirty. The competition is our pinned tweet on Twitter, and that goes on until twelve p.m. Friday, and a winner will be announced shortly after. All we ask is that you go to the game. Literally, that is all we ask is that you go to the game. 
but that that's it that is it for this week uh, on Thursday night on the Irish NFL show I hope you enjoy Thursday night football and we'll be back on Friday morning no we won't back on Sunday morning we'll be back on Friday morning Sunday morning it's yeah it's been a hell of a week so, Sunday morning and then we're back live on Monday night if, if Brian gets back into Dublin again I'll be, I'll be grand there. I'll be grand it's great to see Colin declaring his love for Zach Wilson already with his t-shirt tonight. I love you. Right. See if you well, love your on pick Sunday spoiler after. ahead of Sunday. <laughs> well, we'll see. Right. See you. Let's see. Boys, thank you very much. And folks, we will see you on Sunday morning when the New York Jets are going up against the Atlanta Falcons in Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Looking forward to it. We'll see you then. Have a lovely weekend in the meantime. And see you on Sunday. Slava.